This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? Oh, man. I am both bad and good at the same time, I guess. But isn't that life? Uh, There's... Too much nuance to give you a one-word answer today. But how are you doing today, Brendan? I'm doing all right. Uh, like you said, there's good and there's bad, especially in the Kings world right now. And obviously, we got to start with with the news at the top here of De'Aaron Fox and his grade three left ankle sprain that he suffered at the end of practice. He will be reevaluated in three to four weeks. Right. So grade three, this is according to Jeff Stotts, who runs a really awesome blog called instreetclothes.com that does really cool uh, and smart and uh, interesting injury analysis that goes a little bit beyond like, you know, medical training staff speak. They do some averages in terms of the number of missed games for each injury, which is really helpful. Um, so from Jeff Stotts, grade three indicates significant damage to the involved ligaments. Uh, that's a problematic injury that often involves instability. He said that uh, NBA players to suffer a grade three ankle sprain recently include Reggie Jackson, Lonzo Ball, and Matthew Delvadova. If you'll remember, Lonzo, I think, missed, missed a lot of time last season with this. Late and January, he got injured and then missed the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a that's what is that four months almost? Yeah, I mean he missed a ton of time with this. You know, it's not the exact same injury, but it's the same grade of injury. Um, and the average missed time for this injury is thirty three games. Yeah, um, not good to say the least. Obviously, uh, this is the star player of the Kings and debatably the second best player is down right now as well. And Marvin Bagley and the Kings have a very tough stretch of games coming up. You know, they're going to play the top two records in the NBA and their next couple games, they play a lot of, a lot of playoff teams. There's no good time for your star to go down. Um, but they definitely have a lot of tough opponents coming up and I guess just onto dealing without De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I think that interestingly, we've noted the pace not being this insane level that it used to be last year. That almost is 
a good thing in a way that they're not super reliant on the pace this year since that was all revolved around De'Aaron Fox. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's definitely fair. I think that we've we've been on this this line of logic for a little while where slowing things down is going to make you know it's going to produce less wins today but could make wins more sustainable in the long run and this would be one example of that you know possibly coming to fruition where if fox is unavailable you know you probably can't rely on backup point guards to run a super fast paced offense um, maybe you get Yogi in there and, and tell him to just uh, do his best, you know, guiding that offense. But I don't think that Corey Joseph would be a perfect replica of Fox in transition. Um, but, you know, I think that I think that's a good optimistic take on it. I also think just having Corey Joseph is something to feel good about for this team because, you know, you and I both wanted Corey Joseph to be signed by the Kings, thought that he would be a smart addition in the offseason. And imagine if they didn't. Imagine if it was Yogi Ferrell and Frank Mason as the point guards on this team. It would be horrific. Uh, we were just saying last episode how um, how Corey Joseph's minutes have definitely – taken a step down from what he's been used to playing in the last four or so years of his career. And uh, last night with no De'Aaron Fox against Portland, Corey Joseph plays nearly 38 minutes. So I definitely agree with you. (laughs) Uh, It's nice to have a very capable backup point guard that really is, yeah, he's very capable of being a starting guard in this league. Yeah, whoever on reddit asked that question to us you know ask him you shall receive right uh that's a bit of a monkey paw r slash monkey paw wish fulfillment scenario there um here's gonna be my first comment on this however because we can't ignore this Corey joseph did not play well last night and has not played well for the majority of the season so far in my opinion uh I've liked him on the defensive end, which is kind of what you expected. I'm assuming, are you kind of talking about these mid-ranges? Yeah, I mean, the mid-ranges for sure. I think that he has a tendency to over-dribble. He's kind of got bugged itis in that way <laughs> at times. Um, I don't feel like he's been super strong. I, I think that I like him on ball, but I think that his defense looks a lot worse when he's on a team that doesn't play great cohesive defense behind him. So it's like, I feel like the defensive impact is, is less impressive with the Kings than it was in Indiana. Um, Yeah. You know, I I just think that he hasn't come in here and taken the world by storm. And I think that there was a lot of weird uh, missed opportunities last night. I mean, he threw some, some bad passes last night. Yeah, he threw a couple, but overall, I think I, I I liked his effort on Lillard a good majority of the game. He had he did have a couple of bad fouls. Um, Lillard had a ridiculous amount of three point shooting fouls, but um, I don't know. I, I've somewhat with the the over dribbling. I see that, but at the same time, a lot of it feels like it's happening when there's nothing else going on in the offense. And like I feel like Joseph has been the guy to take the bailout shots a lot for this Kings. 
this team when there's nothing else going on, um, kind of gets to that mid range. And they're definitely not shots that you like seeing, but I feel like he's been responsible for taking those last second ones at times. Sure. That's, that's fair. That's fine. I think that, you know, you said 38 minutes. Um, he finished with three points that was on one made shot, one for six from the field. So, you know, would I like to have him have a little more impact on the offensive end? Like for sure I would. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I think in Indiana, a lot of what I saw that I liked of uh, Corey Joseph on offense was him with these smart cuts to the basket and losing Fox, losing a good passer who he already didn't play with often um, could hurt that. But I haven't seen those same, you know, backdoor cuts or uh, when his guy is focused on uh, a little bit of ball watching that, that his guy turns his head and he cuts. So I'm not seeing that quite as often, um, but I feel like that could open up a little bit more here. That's, that's where I feel like he could make his impact on offense. Yeah. And I'm not down on him period. I just think that he's, I think he struggled a little bit true shooting 48%. That's not what you want. Um, his turnover rate is at an all time high throughout his career, steal rate, all time low, you know, assists dropped from last year, rebound percentage drop. I mean, everything's pretty much dropping or everything's pretty much gotten a little bit worse than what he was last year. But then again, he's in a, I think, you know, it's fair to say a slightly worse position. Um, so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm glad that Corey Joseph is here to pick up the slack, but I think that he, he's got to step it up. A, a, I'll say it. He's got to step up a lot more if he's going to carry the Kings through this difficult time without Darren Fox. I see that. Yeah. There's definitely more uh, left to be desired. And you mentioned his playmaking. I think that was something that I really felt like we were going to need to see take a step from Corey Joseph, but Bogdan Bogdanovich surprised me in that aspect more than anything, 10 assists on the night. And he had uh, obviously had the 25 points. He was super clutch at the end and making plays left and right. But I did not expect to see the playmaking from Bogdanovich that I saw this game. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Bogdan Bogdanovich was incredible in this game. Um, absolutely with the playmaking. I, so yeah, I mean, I mean, this begs the question, honestly. I mean, you so let's just make, get this out there. The Kings won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 107-99. And it came largely on the back of a 25-point, 10-assist, 4-steal, plus 11 night from Bogey. 8 of 9 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. Just an incredible performance from him. So that really begs the question to me, should I be putting this uh, responsibility on Corey Joseph's shoulders to step up, or should we be putting it more on Bogdan? I think 
it's more so on Bogdan, but then also you need a little bit more from the likes of Buddy Heald. And I think Harrison Barnes had a bigger role this game. I think they saw him uh, post up a little bit more often and running offense out of that. They were really abusing Afrony Simons um, whenever he was switching because Portland was playing very switch heavy. Um, but I think a majority of the Fox uh, making up for Fox being out probably will go to Bogdanovich. 32 minutes on the night. And like you mentioned, he just had an absurd game. And those four steals weren't just because Portland had Portland was terrible with taking care of the ball. Like, yes, yes, uh, they were. to get that out there, like Portland, I felt like they played like Sacramento did in that Phoenix game, except they have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, those guys were able to do what they want at times, and Bazemore played decently, I thought, but the rest of their team was absolutely terrible. They were turning the ball over left and right. Um, I thought they ended with more than the 17 uh, turnovers they did, but a 11 of them, eight of them were in the first quarter, five of them were in the third. Um, but yeah, those Bogdan steals, my point was is that they weren't just falling into his hands. Like he was he was digging on people that were driving. There was one where he just straight took it from someone cutting in. He was very active on the defensive end this game as well. Yeah, and uh, in our last episode, I told you that I thought that Bogey was the better defender than Buddy. Are you coming around? Definitely to saw me? that this game. Yeah, All because right. I that was something I hadn't paid attention to. Like I was like, you know, I feel like they have they both just don't really have an impact on that end. Bogey did this game, and I thought that uh, that Buddy did not play great defense this game. He's also guarding CJ McCollum. Um, but yeah, it was a little underwhelming from Buddy on that end. Yeah, I I I do think that that Bogey gets doesn't get enough credit for being a solid defender. I, I said it last time, so I won't repeat myself too much, but just that he often gets really tough matchups and often gets asked to guard threes. Uh, well, good news tonight, uh, or last night, rather, Portland doesn't have any threes. <laughs> so he was safe there. Right. What do you think of... Okay, so people are throwing around this bogey starting idea, right? He can't be a starting point guard to me because I don't think he can guard opposing ones. Okay. I mean, if that's the, I mean, then case closed, right? If that's a, if that's a requirement for you and you don't see him doing that, then just, we can't do it. I think in regards to him being a one, um, and I also don't know how much it matters if he starts, you know, like he's still going to be closing games. I think people put too much stock into who is on the floor at tip off. Like bogey's going to be closing games. Um, and maybe you could change it around a little bit against poor defensive teams. But if Bogey were to start, like the closing lineup last night was Corey Joseph, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Rashawn Holmes. So if anything, I think that would be the starting lineup to me because you need some sort of perimeter defense. And you mentioned Bogey being okay uh, guarding threes at times or having been asked to in the past. I'm more comfortable with him on threes than ones defensively. Can you read off that, that combination of players closing again? Yeah, it was Corey Joseph, um, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, and Rashawn Holmes. And for a little bit there, they had Nemanja Bialica instead of Holmes. Uh, that didn't last very long, though. Yeah, I believe that is the... Tony Zipteris lineup or the, uh, as 
we've recoined it the uh, Tony Express. So <laughs> that's what he was calling for pretty much all game. And yeah, I mean, they closed with that and it looked pretty good. I think you kind of got to, you got to have Bogdan Bogdanovich out there in crunch times. Yeah. And yes, that is, I just had to confirm looking at his tweets. Yeah. Tony Zabteris was championing, championing that lineup ever since the Fox news came out. And yeah, I mean, I think that you are totally fair to say that Bogey can't guard ones and totally fair to say that Corey Joseph is good at guarding ones. So to me, that's gotta be the lineup. I don't see why, you know, we talk about, you know, starting and closing lineups like they're so different. I mean, if you can close with a lineup, I don't personally see why you can't start with it. I know that most teams start a little bigger, but you know, if that's going to be your primary lineup, then that's your primary lineup. Yeah, that's fair. And I guess it is worth noting the Kings started this game terribly. It was like five minutes left in the first and they were down 11 points um, they were shooting very poorly. I think Buddy Heald could not hit a three to save his life. I think he blamed it on the headband, right? He did, yeah. It was very uh, – <laughs> That was a great interview. A lot of vitriol towards the headband. <laughs> yeah, the headband landed, lasted about half a quarter before uh, he took that off. But, yeah, the Kings couldn't hit a shot. But at the same time, uh, the offense definitely clearly had more to it with Bogdanovich in there. And I think, like we mentioned, he seems like – the best playmaker on this team now without Fox? I guess so. I think it's kind of a coin flip between him and Joseph, but those are your two options, right? Um, although I will say there was quite a bit of Yogi minutes in this game. Um, I mean, you know, not a crazy amount, but enough to... There was a lineup with Yogi, Joseph, and Bogey out there. Multiple yeah, occasions it, of it. And we saw this on, on Friday against the Hawks. There was a Joseph Fox bogey lineup. So Walton definitely wants to go to these, like, you know, multiple, like a triumvirate of ball handler lineups. I mean, he got 16 minutes, Yogi did. Yeah. And he hit three of his four shots. I mean, he looked, he looked pretty good. Three assists in that time. I mean... Yeah, I, I'm not going to like say that he's he's going to really compete with Bogdanovich or Joseph as the best ball handler on this team at this point. But um, I, I am definitely comfortable with her, him as the third guard now. Yeah, we mentioned like having Yogi as a third point guard, and this is exactly when you need to have a a decent and passable third point guard. You know, your your main star point guard goes down and obviously Yogi's going to need to step up and get some minutes here. And uh, I I do think part of the reason that the Kings and Walton were able to go with that small lineup is because the, the trailblazers went very small at times. You mentioned them not really having a small forward, but they had times of Simons being out there with Lillard and Bazemore, Gary Trent Jr. At times, like they were a very fairly small team as well, so I think you were able to get away with it a little bit more than you might be able to. Um, but, yeah, I'm fairly comfortable with that. And the reason that I think, you know, there were six players with 30-plus minutes, the starting guys in bogey, and then Yogi Ferrell had 16. Nobody else had more than 10 minutes. And I think it's yeah. notable that Ariza went down um, right. with – 
uh, what was it? Was it something with his back? I haven't seen any clarification on Leary's injury. I would assume it's not something major, or else we would have heard more about it. But uh, yeah, I can I can see if I can find anything on that. Right. Yeah. Um, Trevor Ariza. It was out the remainder of the game with a sore right groin. That's from James Ham during the game. Um, Been there, really. Yeah. So <laughs> he will. Uh, I would expect it not to be anything long-term, but he's definitely going to get some more minutes, obviously. Uh, We know that Walton has been a fan of him. And let me say, those four minutes that he played, I thought he played pretty damn good. He had two great steals. One of them, he just ripped it from someone off the floor. Um, And interestingly, with no Fox, this was one of the higher-paced games of the year for the Kings. Yeah, I mean, I guess they they were going so small that I suppose that necessitates it, but yeah, man, I am really coming around on Ariza and I'll tell you what else. I'm really, 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 really worried about Dwayne Dedman. It was really bad. Um, seven, seven minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that maybe he could have got the start of the fourth minutes instead of Harry Giles because We'll get to Giles, but Giles looked pretty terrible on the defensive end. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with this Deadman thing because I feel like you just have to get him more run. But, I mean, if you get it, maybe, you know, the philosophy is you get him these small stints and then you show him film of where he's going wrong as he slowly works himself into this system. But, I mean, how much longer can we say that, you know, Deadman will get out of it at some point? I mean, he will. Uh, I, I definitely think that he will. There, I. 10 games is not nearly enough to to think he'll never get out of it. It's I'm sure it's compounding itself right now where you know you play bad and then you don't get a ton of an opportunity to play right. better and when you do get it you probably put too much pressure on yourself and you blow it again but yeah there were some rough moments. There was one moment where Ariza ended up I think it was an offensive rebound and he had the ball like right under the bucket, and no one was really there, but he couldn't get the shot up in time, and then he some defenders rotated over, and then Ariza kind of deferred to Deadman, who got himself a pretty open look, and then he blew that. Uh, yeah. It was it was tough to watch. And on defense, uh, the Kings were doubling uh, Lillard a lot, and then obviously the big was recovering after, and I thought that Holmes did a great job of that, especially towards the end of the game. Deadman uh, was not so great in that aspect. Uh, he was very slow to recover at times and to initiate that double as well. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes at this point, until Bagley is back, Rashawn Holmes, and you know, I don't know how that's going to work, that dynamic, but he is so clearly the starting and closing center for pretty much every every half like that's how it's going to happen he's going to start the half he's going to close the half that's that's who they're rolling with yeah he's out there making the winning plays um i i I would agree i think that we said it last episode that started to die down on Holmes a little bit you know he hasn't been as as crazy as he has been the first couple games but he definitely is still the better option of the two and you want to touch on what were your thoughts of the six harry giles minutes it's six minutes. I'm not tripping. 
but it's three fouls. You know, like it was back to that where I thought that he did not move his hips well. I think when he first came in, I have it here, he got two fouls in 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I'm just not tripping. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, it's I, also his second game. It's his second game. Like, and yeah, I mean, like, he's probably pretty energetic and he wants to do something. And they weren't like horrific fouls, I thought. Like, I, I could see a kinder uh, ref not necessarily calling them. And like, Scal was like doing some weird ISO. <laughs> right. It, it felt personal. very aggressive and personal to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just I know that obviously fouls were a big issue for him last year. So but, uh, yeah, but I mean that was across like a twenty to thirty game sample size where it was he was limited his ability to stay in the game. Like that's not the situation right now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I like that. Uh, you know, he got a he got a chance out there. You know, I guess he technically got about the same amount of minutes as the uh, guy that they just signed to be the starting center in Dwayne Dedman. So he got a little bit of a run. He'll get more comfortable, like you're saying here. Um... Hey, guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, We'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And and thank you very much for listening. The Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I think I said it a little bit earlier on, but I thought Harrison Barnes played a great game. Um, I I think that part of my worry with Fox going down is we really need guys to be able to get into the paint aside from Harrison Barnes, who I think has been doing that well this year. And obviously Rashawn Holmes lives in there. Um, I thought that Barnes continued to do a great job of that. Um, And the Kings in general did a really good job of getting to the center of the floor and getting two feet in the paint and making plays from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the defense is improving. I don't think that that it's great. I I still don't think that – I think we hear a lot about it. I think that Luke Walton is definitely trying to speak into existence some defensive revolution. At the same time, I think Portland is kind of a bad team outside of their two dudes. You know, outside of Damon CJ, I think this team is, like, pretty pretty awful. Yeah, they really are. yeah, man, that white side for Leonard and Mo Harkless trade, you got to be regretting that one. I don't know how you can regret a trade when you're giving up Leonard and Mo Harkless. I mean, I guess Harkless is kind of a player, but that even was that even part of the same deal? Yeah, I, because, and then and then Harkless was redirected to yeah. LA. I mean, whatever. I, I think that they needed someone. Uh, I, I know he. I know he sucks, and I know that his basketball IQ is really poor. But I don't think that they're necessarily undoing that trade if they get the chance. 
they just got to bridge the gap until Nurkic is back. Yeah, and, and there's stretches where I, I had read a piece that Whiteside really wants to have an impact on the offensive end, um, and you could see that at times where uh, he definitely was looking to make a play himself, and I thought he was able to somewhat at times, but there was also moments he was doing that with Bielitsa guarding him, and I think he like flexed on the team when he was down like 12 points uh, at the end of the game there. Um, but yeah, I'm totally on board with you here. I think this is a this is a poor team aside from their top two guys, and uh, and I said it at one point, but the one aspect of the defense that was really rough was Damian Lillard probably had four different times he was fouled on a three point attempt. And it's because they were playing him really tight, um, and Lillard was just stopping on a dime, and Joseph was getting under him and things like that. But that can't keep up for sure agreed um but let's look ahead here uh because there's a pretty pretty tough game ahead on friday the kings are going to la to play the lakers so how are you feeling about this without terrible fox without bagley um I don't know how the Kings match this size. Like it is such a you're abs- like that's what I was gonna <laughs> get to. Like it's easy to get away with bogey or three guard lineups, you know, against Portland. Not gonna be as easy in LA. No, um, you will be absolutely destroyed by whoever is guarding LeBron and obviously Anthony Davis. Like Bielitsa is not guarding Anthony Davis. Um, <laughs> that sounds yeah. terrible no shit um, I also I, I don't think that uh, he can guard Cal Kuzma yeah probably not Kuzma will get past him um, but okay, he can definitely so- guard he can definitely guard LeBron though. oh sure sure <laughs> yeah I, I think Bielitsa may not start this game yeah this could be where you go the Harrison Barnes at the four right and Bogey slides in yeah I think that's I think that's how you gotta do it I would agree. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think you need that wing defense. Or, um, sorry, that bigger defense against Anthony Davis. And even then, it's it's scary. And LA's um, really impact this year has been on the defensive end. So I do worry about how the Kings are going to fare in the half court against the team with just absolutely two elite rim protectors they're going to have in there. Um, I think this is a game where you do need to try and get out and transition when you can. But, yeah, this is just going to be a rough night in L.A. in general. My other question is this, though. If you start Joseph, Buddy, and Bogey, your only guards on the bench are Yogi Ferrell and Justin James. Like, How do you work that? Yeah, it just becomes... I mean, one of those guys has to be the first one pulled, you know. Maybe Buddy is pulled early and Ariza comes into the game. Um, I don't think Buddy's the one to pull because you're not adding a a ball handler to the bench that you can bring back out. Well, is... Because what you're going to do, like a Yogi-Buddy lineup? I mean, I guess there's a ton of shooting I think that's better than Yogi-Joseph, though. I would pull Bogdanovich out first if you start him and bring him back with the second unit. 
or you just keep him on the bench and you try to bring Yogi and Bogey, the Ogies, off the bench. The Ogies. <laughs> yeah. And, and in that scenario, if healthy, maybe you start Ariza. I was thinking that. Ariza yeah. and Barnes. And then, yeah, I, I guess you when you bring you – can, you can pull out one of those Ariza or Barnes for Bogey. And then who knows what's going to happen on the offensive end. <laughs> And at that point, you can bring out Joseph for Yogi because you still have you still have Bogey out there to make plays. Right. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, either way, like you're saying, you you are kind of short on these guards and the playmakers in general. Um, yeah, I mean, no matter how we work this, I don't really see this going in the Kings' favor. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So we'll. I'm good to leave it there. Um, this is a little bit shorter of an episode, and we're only going to have this one episode in the in the back half of this week. Um, we couldn't record last night during the game, um, but uh, that's our normal recording time, and then there's no game be- between now and Friday night. So maybe we'll find a guest to bring on last minute, but for now I think that's what we're rocking with. Is that the plan? I think so. And then after the game of the year on Sunday afternoon, uh, we will have our next one here. I'm sorry. Well, I don't even know what this game is. I, 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 I have the Celtics thinking. are coming to town, man. Oh, All right. All right. <laughs> It'll be my first game of the year. I'm excited. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you'll get to see all your favorite players. <laughs> Oh, God. This is the only reason I wanted Horford to go to the Kings, so that way I could wear my Celtics Horford jersey to the stadium. What a piss-poor reason that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, – got everything in there? Yeah, it's kind of a depressing time, but, um, you know, Bogey is going to give us strength and give us life in these trying times. Hopefully Marvin Bagley will, will be back soon as well. So – there's a reason for optimism for Kings fans, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when your when your star player goes down with a serious, significant injury, it's it's not going to be all smiles. Right. You can look for some progression from Bogey, like we mentioned, and uh, maybe Buddy coming around a little bit more as a playmaker since the Kings out of ne- out of necessity. Um, and I know that James Ham said a couple of days ago, I believe it was on the 10th, that Marvin Bagley's looking like he's still two weeks out. Um, I'm really looking forward to when Bagley's back and really the guy on this team seeing the progress that he can make. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days.